0: Welcome to Shure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on July 3rd, 2022, on the basis of Genesis chapter 41. sort of a a running theme throughout the the story of Joseph that wherever Joseph seems to be and and he found himself in a lot of different places throughout his life, wherever he seems to be, responsibility seemed to find Joseph. Now, you can bet that that God was guiding the events and the paths of of Joseph's life. There there was no place that Joseph was that, that wasn't a part of God's plan for him. And you can also bet that God used his talents and abilities to help guide him in that way as well. So even as his life had changed pretty drastically um, from one stage to the next, now he went from being uh, on top of of everything in Potiphar's house uh, to now being in in prison, uh, responsibility still found Joseph, even while he was in, in prison. Uh, Joseph's uh, abilities and talents stood out uh, enough anyways to to the people in the prison that they entrusted Joseph with uh, certain administrative tasks, with managing certain things uh, in the prison and because he had that, that sense of responsibility and, and that work ethic that, that allowed him to to be that for, for the, the people in prison there. And, and so that came with certain... Jobs, tasks, responsibilities, but it also gave Joseph—you could imagine—some uh, some freedom, some freedom to move about the the prison in a way that some of the other prisoners perhaps could not. And it seems like Joseph uh, got to know some of the inmates pretty well, including two of the the most recently incarcerated folks: uh, the the uh, the cupbearer of Pharaoh, the former one, um, and the the chief baker of Pharaoh. They had made their way in, into prison by offending Pharaoh, by by making him angry, Um, and and it seemed like Joseph kind of got to know them a little bit, enough to know and recognize when they were dejected. You caught that in in the reading before. And and so that's how how chapter 40 began. It it introduced us to these two characters, the cupbearer and the baker, who both had dreams on the same night. And the dreams must have been significant enough, right? It must have stood out to them enough them to say, this dream must mean something. Uh, because th- they were searching for answers, but they had no one who could interpret these dreams for them. Well, little did they know uh, that that friendly manager that walked by their cell, maybe every day that kind of got to know them a little bit, uh, he had the ability to interpret dreams. And that's exactly what Joseph did for the, the chief baker and the cup Chief cupbearer would be restored to his former position and the chief baker would be executed by Pharaoh. That was Joseph's interpretation of the dreams and that's exactly how those dreams happened. So chapter 40 of Genesis really sets the stage for everything that's going to go on in chapter 41. Uh, you, you caught the detail at, at, in the middle of chapter 40 and maybe at the end as well that the chief cupbearer had made a promise to Joseph, right? Right? And Joseph had asked him to do something for him. He said, remember me. Remember me when you are restored to to Pharaoh's side. Speak kindly to Pharaoh on my behalf uh, so that I can get out of here because I I don't really deserve to be in this dungeon that that I'm in. But of course, the the cupbearer forgot. And so for two more years, Joseph was in, in prison there, carrying out his duties as he always had. Until... Until Pharaoh himself had two dreams that that troubled Pharaoh enough to to try to find some sort of interpretation for it. He asked his magicians, he asked his wise men if they could interpret these dreams for Pharaoh, uh, but none of them could. And and it wasn't until then that it dawned on the the cupbearer of what he forgot. He he remembered when him and the baker were in, in prison together and how they had dreams that no one could interpret, but then... There was this man, there was this Hebrew man in, in prison there who interpreted their dreams and it happened exactly as he said it would. And so the cupbearer gives Pharaoh this referral and Joseph, Joseph comes before Pharaoh. So, so here's Joseph, he, you know, you, you trace the story of his life, he's in a lot of different places in front of a lot of different people, he's with the, the highest in society, he was with Potiphar was one of the highest in society and then he spent time in prison. And now, he is standing before one of the most powerful men in the, the ancient Near East. And this powerful man has a, has a request for him. He says this, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, I really don't think that there is a comparison that we could possibly make to fully capture the intensity of that situation, uh, the intensity of, of Joseph's emotions as he stood before Joseph. Pharaoh. Joseph knew how powerful this man was. He knew exactly what had happened to that chief baker and, and what Pharaoh had done to him. And he knew that he would not want to be making any mistakes in front of this powerful man. Yet, in courageous fashion and with great boldness, uh, Joseph responds to Pharaoh's request in a way maybe no one would expect. He wants something to be heard. He said, I cannot, (laughs) I can't interpret your dream, Uh, but God can. He wants to make it abundantly clear to Pharaoh that this is not him. That that even though the words are going to come from Joseph's mouth, uh, even though he's going to be the one that's giving the interpretation of the dream, this is God working through Joseph to give Pharaoh this interpretation. And that's not a small insignificant point. It's actually a point that has implications for you, you and I today as well. And to illustrate that, I want you to think about this. So we've had a little bit of heat wave recently, right? And, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any cooler coming up here. So it probably wouldn't be a great time for your air conditioner to break, right? But imagine your, your air conditioner breaks and um, you're not the handy guy that, or gal that can fix the, the air conditioner, so you call the, you call the HVAC guy, right? And this HVAC guy comes over, he's nice, he shakes your hand, he fixes your air conditioner, and, and he leaves. And, and later, you're sitting in your recliner, you're watching a baseball game, and you're feeling that wonderful, cold AC. Do you pause for a second and say a prayer of thanks to God for the gifts that he has given that HVAC man? Did you know that, that it was actually God serving you and helping you through that HVAC, man? That, that God was the one who, who gave him his abilities, and not just that, but God ordered the circumstances of his life to help him to, to grow and, and to learn his, his vocation even better so that he could serve people like you. We, we maybe don't think about that very often, or maybe that's surprising to us, that God chooses to to serve us, to support us, to help us through such unmiraculous means. But if that's true for the the HVAC guy or for other people in your life that, that God brings into your life to help you and to support you and to be answers to your prayers, well, then it's true for you, too. God has given you your abilities and your talents. He created you. He formed you and he has entrusted you with these abilities and talents to, to grow and to nurture them, to cultivate those gifts. And he has given you those and entrusted you with those in the, to serve others with your abilities, which seemed like something Joseph firmly understood. Now, you, you could say in Joseph's case, it, it was a, a bit more obvious, right? It, it, was, it was more obvious that his gift came from God because interpreting dreams is not... Your, your typical run-of-the-mill uh, ability that God gives to people. But I, I think it's fair to say about Joseph that he understood that all of his gifts and abilities came from, from God. And that he was entrusted with those gifts and abilities to faithfully serve other people. And that along with those uh, talents and, and abilities came responsibility. That if Joseph would have neglected his abilities... If, if Joseph would, would have uh, been sick of serving other people, well, then he, he would be mismanaging his gifts before God. If Joseph would have shrunk from positions of responsibility, if he would have been lazy or careless with his gifts, well, then he would be sinning against God. He, he seemed to understand that. And it's not because God needed his works, right? It's not because God needed his good works uh, for, for anything right? It's been famously said that God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. And that was certainly the case throughout Joseph's life. As you look through Joseph's life, God worked through Joseph to serve other people. And it started very early in his life as a 17-year-old or even earlier than that. Jacob, his father, had him in a position of authority in the household. He was the manager, so to speak, of his brothers, and he, and he was the one that was supposed to report back to the father to his father about the, the work that the brothers were doing. He was the one that was sent to go check on the brothers. God worked through Joseph to help that family run, to help that household run, to help provide for that, that household. And it didn't stop when Joseph was sold as a slave into Egypt either. God worked through Joseph to provide for... Uh, Seemingly a heathen man, a man who believed in other gods in his household, Potiphar, and Potiphar's household. He worked through Joseph's abilities and his work ethic to provide for all the people in that household. God continued to work through Joseph to, to manage that, that prison well and faithfully, to interpret the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer, to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. <laughs> And God would go on to use Joseph and work through Joseph to make sure that millions of people in Egypt and the surrounding area did not starve. God worked his great purpose through such unmiraculous means, through such normal means. And that teaches us something. (laughs) Because God still works that way today. You know, he often uses other people to answer your prayers. And he often often uses you to be the answer to other people's prayers. Now, to to know that and to internalize that, wouldn't that just elevate the way that you think of your different vocations that you have in your life? It it would elevate the way you think about being a father, a mother, or a child, a husband, a wife, or a single person, an employer, employee, or a, a student. To know that you are serving as the the hands and the feet of Christ. Wouldn't that just change the way that you looked at, at your various vocations? That you were carrying out God's good purpose by changing a diaper, by sending an email, by washing dishes. That you are carrying out God's good purpose by even doing some of the small tasks that you have in your various vocations. Wouldn't that just allow you to serve in your vocations diligently and with joy, even in the most mundane aspects of those uh, vocations? I think certainly it opens our eyes to God's grander purpose, right? The the bigger picture that's going on. The, The bigger picture behind our work. But perhaps at the same time, it also convicts us a little bit too uh, because we haven't thought of our vocations that way or held them in that high of esteem. Uh, maybe there's actually been times where we wish we didn't have that vocation at all, where we were just so sick of that, that, that aspect, that role that we fill in our life that we wish that wasn't our vocation. Now, Maybe there's times where we, we've cut corners or kind of taken the easy way, uh, maybe there's times where we've, we've chosen a, a, a TV screen or a social media app over our vocation as, as spouse or, or parent. Or maybe it, it's, it just reminds us of, of the constant struggle we have to balance the, the, the many vocations that we have in our life. That Things seem to be pulling us in all different kinds of directions and we just can't really seem to balance them. I think when we start thinking about that, we start thinking about our vocations a little bit and how we measure up, it's, it's pretty obvious to us pretty quickly that we don't. <laughs> that even if I feel like I'm doing really well in, in one vocation in my life, well, then the, the four, other, four others in my life are, are struggling. That it's impossible for me to, to match up to God's standard in my vocations. So, <laughs> for our sake... We have one who fulfilled all of his vocations perfectly. You know, we often wonder what Jesus was like as, as a child, right? We wonder uh, how he interacted with his parents. Uh, what did the community think of him? What was he like a, as a friend? If you had Jesus as a friend, what, what would he have been like? Or what would it have been like to get a peek into to Joseph's carpenter shop and see Jesus working there in that shop? And we'll always wonder about the specifics about those kinds of things, but, but there's one thing we can be sure about through, through Jesus' childhood into his adulthood, that Jesus perfectly carried out each and every one of his vocations. He did it without a blemish. He, he did it to the highest standard, to a standard that nobody else could and we know that's true. We, we have a couple passages that speak to that. Peter says in, in his letter to, to a bunch of Christians here, he committed no sin, talking about Jesus. Jesus committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. You might remember this, this other really famous passage from, uh, from Hebrews. We, we quote this one somewhat often. We do not have a high priest who is unwilling to or is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet... He did not sin. Jesus was the the perfect son, the perfect neighbor, the perfect friend, the the perfect employee. He was the perfect savior. He was righteous to make you righteous. One more passage. This is another well-known one here. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, just to say it one more time, Jesus was righteous to make you righteous, and you are righteous because of him. He, he has taken away the, the cut corners, the, the inattentive parenting, the, the times where you haven't wanted that vocation anymore, any of those parts of your vocation where you felt like you, you haven't been enough, you haven't measured up, Jesus was enough for you. Jesus was enough on your behalf, and that's exactly what Jesus' righteousness means for you. It means you have been set free. You have been set free from guilt in in your vocations, from shame in your vocations, from regret of anything that that has happened in the past. You have been set free to work and to carry out your vocations to the praise and glory of God. Not not because you have to, not because it's going to earn you something with God, but because you have been set free. And so you are free to be a blessing to the people around you. You are free to, to serve others and be the answer to their prayers. And you are free to work for God's grander purpose. Which is exactly what Joseph was, was doing. He wasn't interpreting Pharaoh's dream because he thought it was going to earn him something with, with God. He was using God's gifts to, his, to God's glory, and God was glorified through what what Joseph did. Because Joseph made it clear to the most powerful man in the ancient Near East that it was not him that would be interpreting this dream, but God would be working through Joseph to give Pharaoh this interpretation. So you heard the interpretation, right? Seven years of good crops followed by seven years of famine. Famine which was crucial information for, for a, a leader of a, of a country to, to know at that time. And so Pharaoh was obviously thankful for that, but also took notice of Joseph's gifts. Certainly he took notice of Joseph's gifts of interpreting dreams. Maybe Pharaoh would have a dream in the future where that would come in, in handy again, but, but it was more than that. As we've talked about this weekend, we talked about it last week, Joseph was a talented guy. He was gifted with a lot of of different abilities. And as we said at the beginning, responsibility seemed to find Joseph wherever he went. And Pharaoh took notice of that and and made Joseph second in charge of all of of Egypt. Joseph would be in charge of the administration of of the food. So in the seven good years, he would be the one that was storing these things, this food supply up. And during the seven years of famine, uh, he would be the one distributing the food. God would work through Joseph to save an entire country and surrounding area, to make sure that they did not starve. God would work through Joseph to, to accomplish his grand purposes. Now, who knows? I, I don't know if uh, God has in store for you president of the United States or CEO of a, of a major corporation, but But that doesn't matter. You don't have to be second in charge of of Egypt to to use the gifts that God has given you in your various vocations. You can use them where you're at right now. And and you can use them faithfully and continue to grow in those abilities and serve in those vocations that God has given you because you know that you are working in in the picture of God's greater purpose. That's a wonderful blessing for us all. God grant it for you. Amen. Hi there, this is Pastor Wilkie. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. If you'd like to help us get the message out there to more people more often, uh, hit subscribe on wherever you listen to this podcast. Thanks. I pray you have a blessed week.